Um, well, hello everyone. Again, uh, I'm Carol. I am a compulsive over and under eater. Uh, I'm so used to being at the phone meetings now that I want to say I'm from West Hollywood. I'm from West Hollywood, California. Um, so I found something. I'm going to start with a little reading uh, from our Voices of Recovery, uh, which is not for today. It was last month, and I thought, well, this sounds like me. Maybe I'll read that. Um, so it's January 19th, and I apologize that I'm sitting, but y'all, I cannot stand for an hour right now. <laughs> My hip is due to be reconstructed very soon. Um, so it's from January 19th, and it starts off uh, with a quote from Beyond Our Wildest Dreams. I put my hand in yours, and together, dot, dot, dot. It's very anticipation-y. Um, so here's how it, it starts. I was alone, and I knew it. I was and am an odd duck, intelligent yet lacking common sense and tact. You guys who know me know that's me. I was angry at God. I felt cursed. I ate and I ate and I ate. Um, and with me, you could you could add, I tried to control people, places, and things, and I tried to control, and I tried to control, and I tried to control. Um, that kind of sums me up uh, then and a little bit now still. I still have my character defects. I brought my moldy old pictures. Most of you have seen them. But for those of you who haven't, you can look. Um, a lot, I know a lot of people in this room, a lot of people have heard my story. Uh, my the basics of my story are, are pretty typical uh, with one left turn. Uh, but for the few of you who haven't heard it, I will, I will briefly um, give you that spiel. I believe that I was born compulsive. There is anecdotal evidence to support the idea that I was born compulsive as a very, that I was compulsive as a very young child. I um, started acting out with food around the age of eight, which was sort of coincided with when I realized something was wrong with mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy weren't doing too good. Um, I don't know if that's a coincidence or that's just the way that I coped. Um, so I started uh, acting out with food and I started getting heavier and heavier. And um, one of these days I'll redo my photos and do it sort of nice and it'll show you my class photos as I got, you know, a little, little chunky, little chunky, pretty chunky, kind of fat, pretty fat, and then I got obese. That you can kind of grew up and out is what I say. Um, and so uh, by the time I was in seventh grade, I, I was obese. And there's a picture. I don't even have any pictures from the seventh grade. Like the fattest picture in there is in eighth grade because I think I avoided cameras. Um, and I had all the things that go along with being a fat kid. I was I was teased pretty badly. I was alone. I was you know, would sit in front of the TV after school and eat and watch TV and isolate and make myself feel better. Um, and then in, in uh, seventh grade, I went to a new school and, and it really um, graduated from teasing to bullying and I was bullying, bullied relentlessly. Um, and it actually, it's a whole long story, I'll tell somebody to tell you afterwards, but I ended up bringing a knife to school and threatening my bullies and getting expelled. Um, and I just... Uh, I just needed to get myself out of that situation. I needed them to stop tormenting me, and it and it worked. You know, um, I was expelled at the end of the year, so I just got an early vacation. And then I went to fat camp the summer between seventh and eighth grade. Oh, glorious fat camp! Thank God for fat camp. Um, and I lost all my excess weight, but I didn't have any emotional or psychological or spiritual support. Obviously, it was just 
run around a lot and eat, you know, healthy, healthy food. Um, uh, and I really enjoyed that. I was going to a new school, obviously, because I was getting kicked out and really looking forward to being a different person. I wanted to be a different person so badly, I changed my name in eighth grade. And so there's still some people in Philadelphia who know me as Kay. So that was my one year of being someone other than who I was. Talk about a geographic, right? Um, and then the left turn that my story took is that I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, six months after losing weight. Um, so again, I was sort of stuck out for the wrong reasons and I was teased a little bit and felt alone and different then. And, um, and uh, developed a bit of a chip on, my, chip on my shoulder and I was very, very angry. Um, I was raised fanatical atheist. Uh, we celebrated Christmas and Easter. It was nothing to do with religion though. It was food and presents. Um, and I always sort of rebelled by being a little agnostic uh, but after that, after, after losing weight, I'm still, still a little agnostic. I don't know. I, after losing weight and then getting sick six months later, um, I was, uh, my only concept of a higher power was Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. Um, come on, trust me, it'll be great. And then I was on my back. And that was, that was what I had. That's all I had. So, so after that, just a couple decades of yo-yo dieting, things get very typical again. Um, I just, I, I did the Gone with the Wind. As God is my witness, if I'm going to be crippled, I'm not going to be fat too. And I just, uh, you know, went on a yo-yo dieting for a couple decades. And as I've heard a lot of people share here, it's my story too, that the pendulum swung wider and wider and it got worse and worse. And I would gain more weight when I was gaining and eat uh, more, you know, insane amounts of food. Uh, and then when I was restricting, I used... Uh, more uh, extreme methods, uh, more and more extreme methods as it as it um, got worse and worse. And then uh, almost 19 years ago, uh, I was on my way back up. Um, I had hundreds of dollars of the Diet Club food in my pantry and freezer. And every morning I'd wake up determined that this was going to be the day I would get back on it. And by 7, 8 o'clock at night, I'd be on the couch surrounded by binge foods, watching television and, and um, surrendering to the food. And, and I, was, I was there. Um, I was profoundly unhappy. Uh, I am a very, very blessed and lucky that I come from a place of happy, joyous, and free. Those first seven years of my life were just idyllic. Um, and I felt safe and loved and warm and happy and free. Um, so I, I I'm, do not suffer with uh, clinical depression. I don't have a, um, a history of that. Uh, so for me to be so profoundly unhappy that it would seem like a relief if a bus jumped the curb and took me out uh, was a very uncomfortable, unfamiliar place for me to be. Um, and I, I crawled into my first meeting on my belly, uh, Earth Day, 1999, April 22nd. I was struck abstinent, and, and here I am. Here I am uh, 18 plus 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 years later. Um, I don't know why I was struck abstinent. Um, sometimes I feel a little, I have like survivor's guilt or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know why that happened for me and it doesn't happen for everybody. Um, but lest you think I'm, you know, some sort of incredible person, <laughs> I was not blessed sane. I was not blessed, uh, a char- struck character defect free. 
um, I struggle a lot with character defects and um, and I win some I lose some and I have good days and bad days and uh, a good periods and bad periods and I'm in a period now of I've been in a period of sort of a, a I don't know if you want to call it a spiritual crisis but a I really don't know what the hell to think, um, crisis, <laughs> spiritually speaking. Um, and I learned a lot of tools in here. I learned a lot of tools that helped me figure out how to eat semi-sanely. Um, and I utilize those tools, and that helps me be abstinent um, one day at a time uh, for all these days in a row. Um, and the one thing that I'm absolutely certain about is... Whatever I'm going through, if I'm if I'm depressed, if I'm angry, if I'm dealing with physical pain, if I'm dealing with, you know, uh, cultural tumult, um, I know it's not going to be better if I compulsively eat. Like if I break my abstinent, it's not going to be better. It's going to be worse. So that helps me to stay abstinent. Um, and I don't know. I'm not um, I'm not a huge fan of the definition of abstinence. Uh, this is my opinion, not not the opinion of of OA as a whole. Um, I was not doing service above the group level or I could have been involved in that discussion and I would have had a vote, but I didn't. Um, it says that they define it as the, uh, the action of refraining from compulsive eating. I wanted to check if it was compulsive eating or compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors. Um, you know, you guys, I love food and uh, I eat the same food every day a lot of the time and uh I will just I will just share with you that I for breakfast I, I generally have a toasted Nutrigrain bar, five ounces of berries, and two cups of coffee. Uh, I've added I had to go to a nutritionist because I was losing weight more weight than I wanted to, and she said add some protein. And I'm also lazy, so I thought what's the easiest way to add protein? So I'm now having a glorious tablespoon of of all natural crunchy peanut butter with my breakfast, and it is delicious, you guys. <laughs> Um, and I know there there are some people that could not have a jar of peanut butter in their in their house, and I am blessed that I uh, I do a thing where I I get my meal and I that's my meal, and the rest of the stuff in the in the kitchen just doesn't exist for me once I've dished out my meal. How am I able to do that? I don't know. I don't know, you guys. Um, I think I was just so profoundly unhappy that I. I was desperate to not be so profoundly unhappy. And I came in here and you guys told me, if you, follow, if you find a food plan that works for you and you follow it, it's going to help with that profound unhappiness. And, it, and I tried it and it worked and so I'm sticking to it. But I have this breakfast. I have a couple different breakfast-sized plates and I prefer the pink one to the orange one. <laughs> There is a particular fork that I like. It's a dessert fork, so it's smaller, but it also has an end that makes it easier on my hand in the morning. And then I, I eat at my desk, and I, and I use a fork with the Nutrigrain bar and the berries, and I'll take a little piece of the bar and spear a couple berries so I have that, that lovely taste of gooey, warm bar and bright, fresh burst of fresh berry. And I try very hard to make the ratio of bar to berry even out <laughs> so that I'm not left with one or the other. And then uh, if I'm alone, which I am about 99% of the time, I lick the crumbs off the plate. Um, 18 plus years of abstinence here. So is that, is that compulsive eating? I think some people would say that's compulsive food behaviors. So... 
I, you know, I guess according to OA, maybe I wouldn't be abstinent. I don't know. For me, um, I guess if I'm not compulsively over or under eating, and I'm not engaging in compulsive food behaviors that drive me, that make me crazy, that make my life unmanageable, then I, I guess I would wordy up that that um, that definition of abstinence. So, um, so yeah. So uh, if you're new or newish. And you're worried that your little idiosyncrasies, I can't say that word, uh, with food, like you're to, going to have to give that up. Um, I haven't quite given that those up, but I'm able to do it sanely and maintain a, a, a normal body weight um, uh, for, for many years now. So, I don't know. It's my opinion, not the, the, those of, uh, of Readers Anonymous. And... Um, I will say for the podcast, I, I am a, a fairly t- average body weight. I have the anorexic mind. I'd love to, I'd love to be, you know, under a hundred pounds. I mean, there's a part of me that would like that, but I know that that's not sane. Um, I am uh, 53, and uh, I was eating the the same way for many many years, and then I got to be 53, and I got to be a little more sedentary because for the podcast I have a disability, and, and it had some. Uh, some things get worse, so I was more sedentary, and my weight started creeping up. And um, I don't like that because I don't, you know, I believe, I truly believe in fat serenity, just not for me. Um, I know some people in program who are some of the most spiritual people I know. Uh, they would probably, on average, be considered a little overweight. I couldn't care less. There, there was one person I'm thinking of. I would love for her to be my sponsor. She has less time than I do. I, and I don't care about her body size. I care about her spiritual well-being, which is amazing. Um, so I don't, I don't say there's no such thing as fat serenity. Um, I, think, I believe there is. I just know that with my anorexic brain, I, I'm not comfortable being overweight. So um, so what did, what did I do? So, so as a compulsive dieter, I was like, oh, it's creeped up, and, it, and I weigh just at the doctor. I used to weigh, you know, 15 times a day when I was restricting. So I weigh usually just at the doctor, and uh, it was creeping up. And last, not this past, last month, but last January, I saw a number on the scale that I really, I was like, all right, I, I have to take some action here. So, so what do I do? I, I had to do something that wasn't extreme. Um, for me, I was such an extreme person that a lot of it had to do with um, small, healthy, gentle, reasonable steps. So I asked around, something I did a lot as a newcomer. I asked nosy questions to you guys. Like I asked, like, what do you eat? What is your concept of a higher power? Which meetings do you go to? Um, so I really recommend just ask people. Ask people crazy questions. They'll love people. I think people in 12-star program loves, love the sound of their own voices, so they'll probably be happy to ask that. Um, so I asked around. I found a, you know, a, a free app online, and I started looking at calories again. There was a time where I absolutely just had to ban myself from looking at calories. Uh, there, was, there was a moment early on in abstinence when I was standing at the freezer trying to decide which gross, uh, untasty, low-cal frozen dinner I was going to have. And I was literally saying, 
17210, which do I want to have? And I had the epiphany of turn the box over, look at the picture of the food. You feel like chicken, you feel like pasta, choose. Like that, I was so obsessed with calories that I had to just stop looking. So for last year, I started counting calories. But getting a little like I, I really could probably let go of it now and I'm, I'm gripping on a little tightly but I just slowly started to lose weight in a sane rational manner and then I got to a place where I was like okay this is about where I want to be let me move on to maintenance and I increased the calories a little bit and then I went to the doctor three months later and I'd lost like another 10 pounds and I was like holy crap now what so I went to a nutritionist and, um, you know, I took what I liked and left the rest. Uh, she, uh, she, she wanted me to, you know, she said I could, could have as much as 1,800 calories, which you guys seems like an insane amount of calories for a sedentary 53-year-old. Um, so I, I have more like, like 17 or so, but I added the protein. Um, she said add calories, but, but nutritionally rich calories. And I've tried to do that. And I went again to the doctor recently, and I stayed the same. And I was like, okay. So I'm in the groove again. Um, but for somebody who is a compulsive yo-yo dieter, it's, it's pretty much a miracle that I, um, that I was able to maintain for, you know, for, for pretty much within the 10 pounds that I gained back then a couple years ago, um, you know, for close to 19 years. And I never would have thought that that was um, possible uh, coming in here. I, I, maybe another thing, thank you, that's five minutes, right? I have, maybe another thing that helped me get struck abstinence was that um, I was convinced beyond the shadow of the doubt that I had no doubt whatsoever that I was powerless over food. And I thought that the rest of my life was going to be dieting and binging, dieting and binging. And and I even said to my other doctor at the time, I was like, oh, I've lost all this weight. Isn't this great? And he said, so maybe you'll keep it off. And I said, no, I won't. No. And I actually said to him, I'll I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll get to a point where I'll start eating again. And then I have the glory of binging all this delicious food. And he just kind of shook his head. And I was convinced that this would be my life. Um, And then I came in here and it, and it, it turns out it wasn't my life. So um, that's the miracle of program. Um, so let me talk to you about where I'm at spiritually, where I'm not at. Uh, when I first came in, like I said, I had that Lucy holding the football. And I actually, one of those, one of those outreach calls as a newcomer, I shared that with somebody. And she said, you need to, you need to fire that guy. And, and I didn't realize I could do that. And, and so I had to, I tried to think of a, a concept of God that was going to work for me. Um, and I came up with a concept that was that did work for a lot of years. Um, and it was more of a personified God. It was a, 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 this feeling of being loved and, and cared for and taken care of. Um, and it was based on this, this girl that I made friends with at, at summer camp. And that's a whole other long story. I asked my, her name was Peggy. And I asked my sponsor at the time, is it okay if I call my higher power Peggy? And she said, sure. As long as you're not thinking of that specific girl, it's the concept. And I said, yeah, because I had trouble with that, that three-letter word. Um, and for the longest time, that really worked. And I, and I would call, call God Peggy. Um, I do pray b- before meals um, because somebody I heard somebody say they did it and, it and it was helpful. And I said, oh, I'll try it. And I've been doing that all this time. 
Um, but something, I don't know what happened, but at a certain point, um, that stopped working for me. Um, I hear John share his, his concept of, of sort of being with the flow of the universe, and I, and I, and I like that a lot, too. Um, I'm more in that camp now. I'm more in that sort of, um, I will tell you, I know that there, there is something greater than me. There's a power of the universe. It ain't me. Uh, so I'm, I know I'm powerless over food. I know I'm powerless over people, places, and things. Um, and there's a power greater than myself. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't, this personified God, I have a sponsor who's so, so spiritual. And she's like, oh, God's got my back, and God loves me, and I love God so much. And I'm like, that's, that's great for you. I, like, I, I admire it. It's great. I'm so glad she has that higher power. Um, this idea of a, of a God that wants what's best for me feels just too Pollyanna. I think uh, right now I feel like uh, if, if there is sort of some sort of personified God, I think at best the, 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 the being is indifferent to me. Um, and, I, and I still I struggle with that, at least with the football, that vindictive, not like a, in a standardized religion vindictive God, but just in a, yeah, you lost weight, did you? Bam, arthritis. <laughs> How you like me now? Uh, which is not not a good way to think of your higher power. <laughs> so so I so I put that aside. I, that that doesn't serve me. Um, and I think more of uh, this universal force being being putting good out into the world. Um, trying not to struggle when things aren't uh, to my liking. It, it's really the the. The controlling is tough to let go of. Um, one of my worst character defects when I came in here was dishonesty. I was pathological liar, um, and I never thought I would give that up. And that has been removed almost 100%, um, and, and willingly. I, I found find now, uh, when I'm honest, I feel good about myself. It's, it's esteemable. Um, so I have had some character defects removed almost 100%. Um, the controlling is tough. It's a tough one for me. I think it's a tough thing for people in general. I think it's a tough thing for addicts. And then when you add a disability on top of that, y'all, it's tough. Um, when people move things around in my space, or, or it's just it makes my life unmanageable. Um, so I struggle with that. and do the best that I can. Um, and I think that's uh, I think that's my time. Thank you. <laughs> This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader uh, are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Uh, and I'm going to try to remember to repeat the questions. We always, everyone endeavors to do that, and sometimes we forget. I'll do my best. So, Bob. What do you do when you get frustrated or food calls you now? Okay, so the question is, what do I do when I get frustrated or food calls me now? Um, I get frustrated all the gall dong time. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but 
I don't know why, I, I know this is going to be frustrating, but food does not call to me. Uh, I work out of my home, I get my meals, I eat everything at the desk or the couch, I, I have a table, it sits there lonely. Um, when I bring my meal to, to where I'm going to eat it, the, the kitchen ceases to exist. In between meals, kitchen just, it's the last, I just, it just doesn't call to me. I don't know why. Maybe it's the tire power I can't define. Uh, who I think is a jerk, but somehow has removed that from me. Um, and I, you know, my abstinence is three meals a day, uh, one to two snacks, and I just don't eat, eat in between meals. So it doesn't call for me, and I, I wish I had a better answer, but somebody else will. Um, so frustration, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when I get frustrated, frustrated, I lash out at the wrong person inappropriately. Uh, that's not something I would uh, suggest as a sane, rational way for a sober person to behave. Um, but I do, you know, one of the, the things that you might not realize about being disabled, you might think, well, it's painful, it's inconvenient. It is so earth-shatteringly frustrating uh, to deal with disability. So, um, so I get frustrated a lot. Um, and I, I try to do restrain a pen and tongue. I try to just be in my, you know, keep it to myself. Sometimes I don't succeed, and then if I need to make an amends, I do. Um, I make an outreach call. I just sit with it. I just sit with the frustration until it leaves. Um, and I wish there was a, I wish there was a magic way to, to, to get, get rid of it. I just, I don't like making amends, so if I, lash out at the wrong person then I gotta go make an amends so sometimes I can remember that ahead of time and I get that pause in between feeling frustrated and 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 lashing out Um, another thing I do and I've been trying to do that more this year uh, there are certain things that I can do that are healthy and bring me joy uh, like singing along to the radio love to do that Um, I'm trying to actively do things that that make me happy and make me feel good, you know, other than things that are unhealthy like drugs or food or whatever, so that I get a little bit more of that balance because I'm always going to have just a a way high level of frustration in my life. Um, This year I made sort of, I don't use the word resolution, but I decided that I was going to play with my cats at least five minutes a day. And we've done it. And we were just so out of shape in the beginning. They're like, wow. And I got a really cool toy, and now we're into it, and we do it every day. And I, I believe that those sort of activities help fill up your bank so that when the frustration comes, it's not quite so lopsided. I hope that answered your question. Yes. How do you handle um, sitting through the discomfort of things not happening in your time but happening in your higher powers time and practicing patience? <laughs> The question is about patience. One of my other really strong suits. Um, how do I sit with the discomfort of things not happening in my time or happening in, in God's time, or the universe's time? Um, oh God. Uh, unhappily is how I sit through that. Um, I think it's it's sort of God's little joke that I to give me arthritis and have me be as impatient as I am because everything takes longer when you have arthritis. Um, 
Yeah, I just I just tough it out. It's it's not pleasant. I don't like waiting. I really wish things would happen exactly as I'd like them to happen, exactly when I'd like them to happen. Um, but they just don't. My experience is that they don't. Um, I I do know that uh, you know eating something is not going to make it feel better. It's not it's not going to make it happen quicker. It's not going to make me feel better about myself waiting. Um, so I just would say, don't don't eat. Um, there are healthy things that I can do to distract myself, uh, like singing along to the radio or playing with my cats. Um, but it's just a drag. I, it, waiting is a drag. It just is. Um, one of the things I've learned in program is that you know things happen in their own time, and you you just need to think of some other indicated action you can take. Um, you know, I always have a to-do list, and if I'm impatiently waiting for a callback or an answer from my boss on something, look at my to-do list. Oh, that's right. I haven't read my daily readers yet. Today I'll do that. Oh, I had to call that person about that thing. Let me check that off the list, and I'll kill some time doing that. Um, the last time I spoke here was a few years ago, and um, I was whining and complaining about my career. And uh, unfortunately, Terrell's not here to, to remind me about that. And and asked me, well, now how do you feel? Um, and, uh, you know, for 25 plus years I was an aspiring writer and I would get so close and get little nibbles and little crumbs but never that big break and I was pissed about it and I'm not getting any younger and I'm like, whatever, God. And then last year I had the huge, the huge break, the dreamed of break. Like, oh, okay, 53, all right, better late than never. Um, so I would, I would say to my writer friends, don't leave, don't quit before the miracle. <laughs> like, little 12-step dog whistle out there. Um, but it was true. I, I, I didn't quit. I mean, I, the, the only thing worse than never making it would be to quit. And, you know, and so I didn't quit. And then I got the thing. And now I've got a whole new host of deadlines and freakouts and uh, things I have to wait for and you said there's going to be publicity I'm going to have to like talk to people and be interviewed I have to, had to be photographed it was awful it's like grumpy cat I was I had fun once it was awful you know um, so I, I hope that answers your question you know there's no there's no like magic wand I wish there, I wish there were if I knew it I would tell you for sure um, Julie I saw you with your hand up Okay, so the question is, do I do a daily 10th step, and if so, what format? Um, I do, as a matter of fact. Um, years and years and years ago, about six months into the program, I decided I wanted to work with a food sponsor. And in my maniacal uh, thinking, I thought I would commit my food for the month. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was my best thinking. Um, and it was because I recognized that I, I had a, 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 an addiction to eating out and I had financially no business eating out. Um, and so I was going to commit my food for the month. And uh, there, was, um, there were two food sponsors that I knew of uh, and one of them had a 6.15 a.m. slot, which was not manageable for me. And then there was the other guy. And, um, and I, I contacted the other guy and said, you know, how do you work? And he said, you, you email me your food the day after or the, at the end of the day. Um, I make no comments. 
you just turn it over to me and um, if, if you seem to be in a pattern that you're not aware of I'll bring it to your attention if you ask me a question I'll answer it but other than that you just send it um, if you're uncomfortable about anything you, you write a little bit about it but that's how, and I just want no I want you to like shame me and I just you know in that moment sort of surrendered to that and um and I'll also say that, that this particular guy is a guy my age, he's heterosexual, he's handsome, he's hip slick and cool, and has a fabulous job. And if you, in an industry that I aspired, was aspiring to, and if you looked in the dictionary under the last person on the planet, I would like to admit, you know, that I had two boxes of conversation hearts for my snack last night. Like the last person in the world I would want to admit my food to, it would be him. So... Uh, so that was kind of magic. So I just, I'm brutally honest, everything I admit to him. And so I did that for many years. And then when I got to my first formal 10th step, I again asked a lot of questions. How did you work it? How did you work it? And I asked him, how did you work it? And he said, well, there's this AEIOU format um, that I use. And, and he explained that what that was, and I will in a second. And I said, well, can I send that with, to you with my food? And he was like, bring it on. So ever since then poor dude has been getting my 10th step um, so the way uh, the, the format that I that we use the AEIOU A is my abstinence what have I done for my abstinence E is exercise or energy have I moved my body um, a lot of the times mine is you know nothing stayed in like I and then if I go out and I gotta climb up and down those stairs at my apartment which is really hard for me especially now and really painful um, and then walk a block or two, you know, that's my exercise. I'm not exercising right now. Might be able to exercise a little bit more after the surgery. Uh, I is what have I done for myself. O is what have I done for others. U is supposed to be what have I uncovered through prayer and meditation. Um, for me, I usually use it like what am I uncomfortable about. And that's sort of my little paragraph or two about my day. You know, did I act out on character defects? Was it, was it good? Did I feel sane and balanced? Did I, was I inappropriate with my boss and call him a jerk? You know, do I, do I owe amends? Did I have to clean anything up? Um, and then he has me write a 10 item gratitude list. I can't repeat the same thing two days in a row. Um, and geez, sometimes 10 is like, I'm grateful. I don't have to think of anything else I'm grateful for today. Um, <laughs> But, um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into gratitude. I, gratitude is another one of those, those things that balance out the frustration and the impatience. You know, I, I, something will happen and I'm like, hmm, fodder for the gratitude list. Um, I do perspective-based gratitude. You know, my cat pukes, but it was on the bed, so it was easy to clean up. Um, I'm really, gratitude is a, is a, is a big tool, is a, is a good tool for helping with that, that uh, the frustration, the impatience, the things that feel unfair in life. Um, and then I also had a grand sponsor once give me a spot check inventory, uh, which, which was just a few questions like, who did it involve? What happened? That's the long thing. What character defects are aggravated by this? Thank you. I have five minutes left. And um, uh, to, who, to whom do I owe amends? And that, that was a, that's a really handy thing if it's something really gnarly that's pissing me off during the day that's taking up a lot of... Um, mental focus um, I'll, I'll whip that out and do it and then it's always important for me to turn it over I do the fifth step or the 15th step you know I send it to somebody or read it to somebody so I want to go on this side of the room there you go thank you so much um, do you have any questions about 
just wondering, you said that when you were seven or eight, you became aware that your parents were unhappy, and that was when you connected with so what, what happened after that? Um, the question is, when I was seven or eight, I, I, I recognized that things were not well with my parents, and I started acting out with food. And, and what happened after that? Um, do you mean... Oh, heck no. Uh, my, my parents, uh, they, they separated a couple years after that and then officially divorced after that. And, um, you know, there was no violence. There was no court battle. There was no... Uh, uh, the things that I would typically think of when you, when you hear the term messy divorce. Um, but years later, I realized how messy that divorce was. Um, uh, my parents kind of hate each other. And... Uh, not really. They they say, oh, I don't hate your father, and then hey, father, and my dad's like, well, your mother, and there's just a lot of um, resentment uh, there, and um, and it really affected me as a kid. And I'm also, I am the spitting image of my mom. Uh, my mom is. Um, Listen to this way. I tell my friends I love my mom to death. Talk to her uh, every day, twice a day. She's back in back east, and I always end the conversation with "I love you," and she says "I love you too." And you know, one of these days, she's 85. One of these days, I'm not going to be able to talk to her on the phone. And chances are, uh, the last thing I'll have said to her was "I love you," which doesn't suck. Um, so I, I do that. And I talk to my dad once a week, and same thing. Um, but I tell my friends, you know, I love my mom to death, but she is me without program. And um, and most of my friends who know me shudder. Uh, um, and so, you know, I think I think that uh, that that uh, my dad uh, really, really uh, just the 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 resentment and the hatred of my mother in those years and the years following and the fact that I'm so much like my mother. Um, that affects a little girl. It just does. Um, and it, it affects me to this day. And I do the best that I can. My, the relationship with my dad is complicated, but that's something that I decided, you know, I, uh, every day to, to accept him as he is. Um, and, uh, and just he's the only dad I have. And on the 12-step curve, I learned that my parents are pretty freaking awesome uh, when I hear people's stories in here about, about what they went through as kids. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. I see a hand like way in the back. I don't even know who you are, but yes, you. Is it? Ah, it's you. Hi, honey. Um, what do you do? What's your uh, spiritual practice when you wake up? <laughs> uh, what's my spiritual practice when I wake up? Uh, this is not going to be 12 step, uh, step sanctions, but I had a lot of trouble getting up in the morning. I'm not a morning person, and. Uh, I whined and complained about it to my mom uh, for a long time. And so my mom said, how about if I call you in the morning and I wake you up? Okay. So I set my alarm for five minutes before my mom's going to call. My mom calls me and says, it's your, you know, then I have a half hour and she calls me again. And then she talks to me until I get out of bed. So I, I sit up. I have to take an antibiotic in the morning. And she talks me into the bathroom. And that, that you know, it doesn't really seem like a spiritual practice. Um, but, you know, that's what I do in the morning. And it's spiritual in that I had a problem and I couldn't solve it on my own. And I talked to somebody about it and somebody offered a solution and I accepted the solution. Um, and on those days when my mom's not available, my sister calls me. And um, 
you know, I mean, I'm just thinking of this in the moment that it connects me with my family. It connects me with someone else. And, um, and I'm really grateful for it. And, you know, there is going to be a time when my mom is not going to be able to call me in the morning. Um, and so there's a little bit of embarrassment. Here I am, this grown-up who can't get out of bed without her mom. And, um, but it's nice. It, it, it means that I get to talk to her and I get to connect with her. And um, another thing that happens when I, when I, uh, when that five minutes I'll wrap up with this, which is a ridiculous thing to wrap up with, but that's what I got. Um, when that five minutes, uh, that five-minute warning, um, and I stir and I roll over, my cats come. They come and they lie on my chest and my, my boy kitty just purrs so loudly and he's so fluffy and soft. Um, and so maybe that's my higher power, whatever it, he, her is, uh, is coming to say, you're, you're loved. Somebody is really happy you're awake today and, and just gives me that, that unconditional love and that's how I wake up. So not very traditional, but I do pray before meals, but that's what, that's what I got. That's how I wake up in the morning and it's, and it doesn't suck. Um, all right. Thanks. That's, that's